Good afternoon, everybody. Stephen Oshansky here with the State News Sports Podcast. And if you think we're just going to talk about Michigan State football today, you haven't been paying attention all you are at all because there was a national game that uh, drew a lot of attention that happened in your backyard, practically. It's, it's only one about of the highest five, rated national yeah, games. One of the most highest rated national football games that if you were a college football fan, it was a hell of a game. And, you know, it happened, what, five, six hours away from here? Oh, yeah. And it concerns your chief rival and how I they mean, got screwed. So if you're if you're happy this weekend, um, yeah, I don't blame you. To, yeah. I, I, I don't blame you at all because uh, it couldn't happen to a better uh, a better program, you know, in a sense. But uh, no, yeah, you, yeah, that game. We have a lot to discuss with that game and the playoff implications, as well as just uh, some comments discussed with Jim Harbaugh at the end of the game, and just kind of how lucky you should feel to be to have Mark D'Antonio as your coach, and. Um, We'll we'll get into that because it could you know the game that game involved your chief rival like I said but also some sort of uh, rival that you claim now even though they've only had uh, Michigan State and Ohio State have only played what about five good games in the last five years somehow everybody wants to hear around that's one thing that Eric you know it grinds my gears is that everybody around here wants to talk about Ohio State as some sort of Michigan State rival but we'll get into that as well we'll talk about uh, finally you can stop drinking because uh, Michigan State. You finally, their football season's over, so you can. Uh, but maybe you want to keep drinking with basketball season. I was going to say, they're, don't, they're about don't to be four and four yet. tomorrow. <laughs> so or tonight, I should say. Uh, so welcome in on a Tuesday, and you know, Casey, let's just get right into this. Well, that Michigan. What do you game, want to talk about? I mean, that that Michigan game uh, Michigan, with Ohio State. You know, what I'm going to put all my biases aside. Michigan just blew it. That's really the only way to put oh, it. Oh yes. Because how do you how do you expect to win a game? When you have five total yards in the fourth quarter, right. when you give up two penalties that result in 14 points, when you have three turnovers overall, I mean, you can't blame the officiating because even though there were a couple missed calls, the biggest gripe that most U of M fans, from what I've talked to, what their biggest concern has been, was that, that, fourth, that fourth and one. And you okay. know what? It's the same thing with that fan base that you've seen every year. It's never, it's never Michigan. It's never Michigan's fault. It's they, always, always something else. It's always, always ran, the they, officiating. Yeah. It's always. It, it, it's never they, because they couldn't get the job done. It wasn't because they're bad or they were just outmatched. They just simply ran out of time. Yeah. To win that game, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what they'll tell you. Because look, that fan base is. I mean, as many of you currently listening to this know, is very insufferable, and they had a chance to to finally act. You know, kind of their age or to act like they had been there before. But I don't know why. You know, talking about I don't know why we expected them to do anything other than blame the refs. In that and game. you know, for the most part, I mean, before I get into this point, I mean, they did convert on fourth down. Ohio State did. There mm-hmm. wasn't indisputable evidence no. to overturn that call. No, he got the line of game because people were like. The one thing I saw with that is everybody's like, bring out the sticks, measure it. But you can't measure it if the ball is placed exactly at the 25 and you only need 10 yards to get because it's overtime. There's no there's no measuring overtime first downs. It's either you're going to get the first down at the 15 because it's exactly 10 yards from where you get the ball at the 25, or you're not. Or you're going, and then once you get to the 15, it's to the five-yard line. And So it, you couldn't measure anything on that, and um, JT definitely did get there because he watched it. The, the guy's butt is on the line. And he runs right into him. The ball gets there, and he's knocked back. And I saw a lot of that on Twitter. It was everybody took the picture of JT on the ground, saying that's where he was down. That's but, not but where that you're down. That doesn't apply because of forward progress. Because forward progress and where he got stuffed and got pushed back. Now, if he had turned around, now if he physically himself willingly turned around to try and make a play and fell down, then it wouldn't be a first down because he went back. 
And hats off to the Michigan team because most of them, except Jabril Peppers, showed a lot of class after the game. I mean, uh, their coach, on the other hand, no, no, I mean, that's despicable behavior by any Big Ten coach. I mean, own up to it. Man up. Look, I get that the spot was tough, right? The spot is tough. And look, the calls, yeah, there's a wide margin onto Ohio State side where they had they had most of the penalties were called on Michigan. I can well, understand that. That's a home field advantage, though. The refs are a part of the game. And we've gone over that many times where the refs, they're, are, they're physically a part of the game. But when you're up 17 to 7, Ball on your ball on the one yard line, making it could have blown the game wide open and put away any sort of rest for Ohio State, and you fumble the ball, or you give you practically gave them fourteen points. You really did because he had the pick six mm -hmm. that directly led to seven points, and then you had the other turnover, the the other turnover, the fumble on the one, yeah, that and the interception on the one, um, that made it. Let's see, the the interception not on the inside the twenty. And that set him up, and then on the offsides call, where where he ran offsides and Harbaugh blew a gasket. This is that's the problem with this is that Harbaugh literally cost them a good amount of that game. Oh yeah, because his decision one, he had to play Spate, who did not look that bad. He but, didn't look that bad at all. But, but I mean, he, he could tell make he was the hurting. deep throws. Yeah, he could not make those deep throws. And so, and that's you, kind of what Michigan relied on the whole season, especially in the close games. Chesson and Darbaugh, and um, but like, look, that was one decision. Is he knew he couldn't play O'Corn to win that game. And then he had to put in Spate, and Spate throws two picks when he got pressured inside. It throwing inside his own, um, throwing inside his own twenty with the, from practically his own end zone. You can't you can't force your quarterback to try and make you plays with there with a hurt shoulder. Anyway, and then the next one, especially when they pulled him off sides there, and then Harbaugh practically got a, like what you what's the equivalent of a, a technical foul with the unsportsmanlike conduct. It you put you put Ohio State on the goal line. With that, the 15 yards, half the distance to the goal, they're going to score, plus the five yards that got uh, tacked on from the other penalty. Of course, the Ohio State was going to score. Like, I don't, and Harbaugh, this is what happens when you act like a child. This is when you act like a child and you scream and you, you fight and, you, and then after the game you blame it all on the refs. Like, yeah, he's bitterly disappointed. The fan base should be bitterly disappointed in him because he's it, everything's about team to team to team, the brand, the brand, the brand down there. And the, this man's hurting their brand because he's a petulant child. But you know why they're not going to do anything? Because they love him. Because he embodies that entire fan base. He does when they don't get their way, yeah. Exactly. I, I knew I, a couple of my teachers at school went to Michigan. And I've talked to them after the game, and they were not upset because they were smart about it. They go, look, you can't have three turnovers and blow a 17-7 to lead with a minute and 46 to go in the third quarter. So practically all you had to do was hang on for 16 minutes. A two-score game with 16 minutes to go. All you got to do is run the ball half the time and eat up some points. They weren't Michigan, The Ohio State defense couldn't stop Michigan's offense uh, uh, for a good chunk of that game. For a while, but when you give Ohio State great field position, they're gonna score on you. And when you add in childish plays and childish behavior from the biggest child in the in in the oh, there's a hundred and ten thousand people. There's a hundred and ten thousand people at that game. The worst the the worst child offender in that game was not little Joey in section twenty four who was upset that JT Barrett couldn't score a touchdown in the second quarter. It was Jim Harbaugh's antics on the sideline. Look, the guy's a great coach. I think he's a phenomenal coach with how he gets his players to play for him, how he runs some of these schemes and whatnot that throws people off. He's got some genius to him, but when you act like a child, this is what you get. He did nothing to help him, and I texted you, and I tweeted it out. Ohio State did everything in their power 
to make sure Michigan won that game. Yes, exactly. How do you chip two field goals that were within the 25, and you miss both of them, and you still win that game, a game where every point matters, and you miss both of those field goals? That were six points that Ohio State just threw down the drain. Yes, exactly. It should have been, what, 21? It should have been 20 to 17 at one point. Yeah. And Ohio State, like, look, Michigan was forced to, their defense was something special. Michigan's defense was good. I thought they were phenomenal. I thought they were very, very, very good and very coached and well-talented, and it's going to suck next year for them because they'll lose everybody but one player, I believe. They're losing, like, I, I believe they have 40-some 43 seniors. seniors. And, and you're going to tell me, like, you already know what they're going to be saying in the offseason is that Michigan is good. Like, Michigan's going to – Michigan will get a top 10. It'll be the same thing with State. We just saw the perfect case study for if you lose a bunch of talent. Yeah, that's that's the perfect thing because, what, MSU has 40-some freshmen on their team between it's, it's, true freshmen and redshirt freshmen? Oh, yeah. And they, they've, they're they very young, and that's what's going to happen to Michigan. They'll take a step back. I don't know if it'll be 3-9. and nine. I think Michigan State uh, – what James Franklin said before the Penn State game is Michigan the State best is probably and, the best 3-8 and eight team. And, I, you know, I might agree with that because they play – Played a lot of games close, and then look, they had Penn State for a little while. And they're if one you of, score touchdowns on those four trips, or at least a couple of them instead of two field goals, it's a completely different game, in my mind. And but look, you should be happy you have Mark D'Antonio as a coach because he's going to turn these things around. And we'll get into that with Penn State and Michigan State. Those were our thoughts on Ohio State and Michigan. Casey, any more to add on that? No, I mean I'm looking through the box score right now. Ohio State basically won that game in every facet because they deserved to win that game. Hmm. They they had m- more rushing yards, more first downs. The only thing that Michigan really got them in was receiving yards. Hmm. And that was kind of surprising to see that JT Barrett didn't throw a lot in that game. They had, they had that game with JT Barrett they, not being – that guy. Man, that man is a gunslinger. I watched him in person sling the, when he has a breakout game in 2014 at Spartan Stadium. That man could not miss. And there was, it was weird for me to watch him overthrow guys. I don't know if it was the pressure that got to him, if it was Michigan. You've got to give credit to Michigan's defense. They're very, very good. And so, um, that, any more? Any more? Um, I mean, really, oh, JT Barrett was unstoppable in the fourth quarter and in overtime. I right. mean, you, you would have thought that Michigan would have set up some kind of spy. They would have had a linebacker stay back. But no, all he had to do was either peel to the left or run right up the middle, and he would almost be sure to get seven, eight yards, a first down for sure. I mean, I don't understand how you can complain and badger the officiating. Just own it, okay? Your, right. your team lost that game because of their own play. So if you're going to complain about Michigan losing that game, you need to realize you need to take a good look in the mirror and look at your own accord because, sure, the refs didn't help with some missed calls, but you need to look at it and you need to own it because your team did nothing in your favor to help you. Ohio State should have lost that game, and they didn't because, quite frankly, they were the better team and they took advantage of all all the other mistakes. Exactly. So when we come back, we'll talk about Michigan State and Penn State and what's going forward and how Mark D'Antonio will choose to attack uh, what should be a very interesting offseason. Welcome back, everybody. Stephen Oshansky here alongside Casey Harrison, taking you along on a Tuesday afternoon. And we didn't even say it in the beginning. We just got right into it. But this is the 25th podcast. Happy anniversary, Stephen. 
this is our uh, silver anniversary, if you will, I guess, in a sense. Um, thank you for listening. If you're listening this this long, and if you've listened to all of them from the beginning, it's uh, I think it's very special that we've it's been, been able wild to keep ride. it going. I think uh, it's it's grown. Um, quite a bit, I would say, since uh, from the beginning. So, Casey, I'm, I'm happy we're doing this. And uh, yeah, I mean, I we're mean, nearing the end of the semester, and who'd have thunk that we'd have 25? Yeah, that babies. we would have made it through 25 podcasts. Surprised they didn't run us out of the building. I'm surprised they didn't run us out of the building. <laughs> We've had our running, detractors <laughs> running us out <laughs> of the university. I mean, right. I, I mean, we've said some things out here that I'm surprised people. Uh, you know, a couple people have called for you know, at least my head. I know that, but oh, yeah. Uh, um, but we, we've got some interesting things to talk about in regards with Michigan State and Penn State in that game. And, you know, kind of a game for a little bit. Michigan State looked good behind Damian Terry's play. I thought you know, yeah. the guy came in with 7-12 to 12 for 101 yards before getting bucked by a concussion. And that was just kind of the epitome. That was like a microcosm of how the season has gone. Anything good for Michigan State is just squandered away. And for the 12th straight game, they led. And they still couldn't win. I, they're for, one of they could they've only won three of those twelve games in which they've led the at least one. I, I believe they're one of ten FBS teams to actually lead in all twelve games. Right, exactly. And so it's going to be a very. I mean, I saw some bright spots in there, but there were also a great amount of injuries again. Oh yeah. When it just seems anything bad that anything that can't or anything bad that can happen to a bad team, it's just going to happen. And so I was not surprised to see Michigan State get injured, you know, things wouldn't go their way in the end. And it kind of reminded me of last year's game with Penn State, where Michigan State took a beat-up Penn State team and just ran train on them. We put oh, up 55, it was 55 <laughs> to 16, and Penn State pretty much did the same thing. I mean, they weren't, um, you know, they didn't take their foot off the gas, and Mark D'Antonio does the same to other teams sometimes when he says, hey, they got to stop us. Penn State they, we basically... have to stop them, and that's what he said, and they didn't. And so he, he said that's what... That's what you get. This payback. That's what happens. He didn't take it harshly, which is good because, you know, there's some other coaches in this conference that would take it harshly. The but Spartans, anyway. basically, they came into that game. They came into Happy Valley, and Penn State was like, hey, remember me, and then just socked him square in the temple. I mean, <laughs> Michigan State at the end of that game was just on the ground <laughs> writhing not, in not pain. Not really sure what to do. I mean, look – they had their flashes. That game was painful to watch at some points. Yeah. And you I feel mean, bad for the I, I'm not knocking the Spartans when I say that, but I'm I'm almost glad the season's over. No, I'm, you should be you should be glad the season's over because you look at it, you go, look, it's a blemish on Mark D'Antonio's record, it's, and it's, he's going to turn it around. They should be better next year. How many of these freshmen and redshirt freshmen got experience, and now they get to take that in um, throughout the winter through spring? And then come out next fall. They they should be good. Like D'Antonio was saying, a lot of these guys just have to bulk up, and that be, that's just part of playing this game. When you play seniors, the teams that are senior laden, these guys are huge. These guys are bigger than you. Like, look, I might be like a hundred and you know six foot six foot one one ninety, but if I'm gonna be if I'm gonna be a wide receiver um, for Michigan State, I would I would need to be what six one two ten at least or six one two twenty. Like you, you're gonna face, you're gonna get hit, and it becomes with. You know, I remember going through this in high school. Look, you start off as a freshman, you're not as good. But by your senior year, you're bigger, you're stronger, and you're just better. And you might and that's have what's going to happen. I mean, you might have a mind that's, that's for the game. You might football. know what the routes are. You might know what the technique is. Right. But to physically execute it is a totally yeah, different game. Some, some guys just aren't there yet. And so Michigan State, you know, they'll, they have to reevaluate what they're doing, especially in terms of coaching decisions. And Mark D'Antonio made a very interesting comment 
um, that I think we, we discuss and uh, Casey, I'll let you take it away. If um, you know, he said that he was not planning to shake up or fire anybody on his coaching staff, and I, do you find that as the right route to take? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna fire a question back at you. What is the definition of insanity? Uh, doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, and and expecting a different result. I mean. There's two sides of this coin. I mean, you can cop out, and that's kind of what I'm doing because I'm, I'm presenting <laughs> two sides of the situation. Is one, these guys are tenured. I mean, these guys have been here for a while under Mark D'Antonio. Right. And but the one thing you, he's always keyed on is loyalty. Yeah, I mean, you never want to just clean house just for the namesake of doing just, it. Just for the sake of cleaning house, yeah. But the opposite side of that coin is... I mean, is it really going to hurt to change up everything? I mean, you finished three and nine. It's if you don't finish better next year, you got some real problems. So right. now is the perfect time to experiment and you know try something else. I mean, it sucks for guys like Dave Warner who, after a three and nine season, might not be able to find a more glamorous job than Michigan State. Right. But I mean, that's how the coaching industry works. I mean, and, you know, I'm thinking I, more and more about this. I don't know if it was necessarily Dave Warner or Jim Bolman. Or if it was even Harlan Barnett on the defensive end. If it was just the kind of talent and guys that they had that maybe they had to dumb down the defense or dumb That's, down the offense. And maybe it was because they knew they weren't going to be very good and Tyler O'Connor couldn't make these kind of throws. That's a rumor that I heard at the beginning is that the the talent wasn't quite developed enough yet. So you had guys like Dave Warner and the people that were designing plays on offense and defense since they run a pro-style offense, they didn't have guys that were ready to play in, right. in a style like that. And the thing is, and they, were, yeah, they were trying to shove a square peg into a round hole, and it just wasn't working. And, right. I mean, and this season is everything. It, it's a living tribulation of that. And here's the thing about college sports is they're going to protect their athletes any cost you get. So if you were to go, hey, is it your guys that you need to dumb down the offense for? And it's not you. If it's not you, then who is it? Well, they're going to defend their guys every day and just put everything on them. And that's what you need to do as a coach. You got to when your team makes mistakes, you don't call out your guys. So you'll never get an answer. You will, if, for as long as we ask, we could ask you know five years down the road. But on the record, he will never say, "Yeah, it was because Tyler O'Connor wasn't good as good as we thought he was." After five years, or Damian Terry, maybe he wasn't ready yet to run the systems that we wanted him to, and that Connor Cook and Kirk Cousins were just kind of twice in a. X amount of year talents. I, but also it was the offensive line. I think their offensive lines took a step back this year as well. And so, but Connor Cook had a great offensive line. LJ Scott was running behind a great offensive line. He still looked good this year when the offensive line just wasn't all that good half the time. Yeah. And so it kind of reminded me in a sense of Le'Veon Bell, where he would just kind of was just good no matter what was in front of him or who was defending for him or blocking or anything like that. Um, but Le'Veon Bell, you know, it was a rare talent. I'm not saying. Le'Veon Bell or LJ Scott is Le'Veon Bell or anything like that. I'm not saying they're you know they're on the same level because they're not. And LJ Scott, I mean, he's going to be good. Hopefully, he stay, I mean, he has to stay. So you look at it. I, I think coming back next year, that the talent is going to keep going, is going to keep progressing, and they'll be good. I'm not saying they're going to be world beaters, go 12 and 0. I'm not delusional. No. I'm not. A, I'm not a Michigan fan thinking, hey, we're going to go 12 and 0 every year, or we're. I'm not Notre Dame fans or USC fans who just expect championships on championships or whatever. Look, I grew up watching this program in like 06. like, and then from the years Mark D'Antonio was on, you know, I, I, the bowl games were nice because they'd never been there before, and so to look at it now, you know, they're gonna they're gonna go forward and D'Antonio will be better, and um, 
look, their team's going to be better going forward, obviously, because that's, that's, I mean, it's part of one getting the experience and growing up because that's what happens in sports. You get the experience, you grow up a little bit. And I saw some good signs with that. It looked like these guys, these guys still cared. I saw some of that with Damian Terry after he got his head injury. I mean, the guy was playing an emotional game at Penn State in a season that didn't matter. I mean, it was almost like a homecoming to him, though, too. Yeah, and but he still cared enough, and you could see him crying with the towel over his head. Like, there are guys that care on that team, and going forward, like, look, the team's going to be good again. You're gonna you're gonna have good linebackers again. I mean, Riley Bullitt, yeah, he's going to be gone, and he was one of your leading tacklers. But you got Chris Fry, and you got John Reschke coming back, and Andrew Dowell, who will be better because this was practically his first year of yeah. playing. And so you're going to have guys who are better, and the younger secondary is going to be good. Monte Nicholson, I don't know if he returns, because I've heard rumors that he doesn't. But you would think it would benefit him to come back as a senior. I don't know who's going to be captains next year, because I, I couldn't peg it down. Because and you're losing some of your best guys. Also, I mean, Malik McDowell said at the beginning of the season he was only going to leave if he was, what, a top three pick? Yeah, top three. Yep. And... With his, I mean, he missed the last two games of the season, right. and the well, last three actually. Yeah, and, and he didn't have he didn't put up the numbers I think he expected to put up this year. Right. Um. So if his draft stock is at all affected, I mean, I wonder if he swallows his pride and enters the draft anyway, mm-hmm. or I wonder if he comes back like he said he would. Right. Um. I think I think he would. I I don't know because he's he he's go. an incredible he's, talent. He's very incredible. Um, but I think maybe if he had another year to polish think, up his resume, right. and it might be team chemistry issues. I don't. We will never get those answers. You can no. never ask. Hey, do you guys hate each other? Because they'll never say it. And maybe they do. And I, I I can't I can't lay any claim to that. But sometimes you think of it in the back of your mind. Is there a team chemistry issue? And you even if we ask anybody on that team, it would have to be off the record, and we could never share it if they were ever to be really truthful with us. Maybe there's a chemistry issue. I don't know. We, maybe we'll have to do some digging and find it out. So but going forward, I think Michigan State, yeah, obviously they'll be better. So. And I, I, I haven't looked up and down the lineups yet to see exactly who's coming back, who's leaving. But if I were to err it on the cautious side, I would put Michigan State right now next year seven, eight wins. I mean, is that fair? Yeah, it's it, fair. It, I mean, you can't really benchmark wins. Literally a year ahead of time before anybody's yeah, even thought about next year. I mean, <laughs> we, we're we talking about lesson. next year right now, and <laughs> it hasn't even been a week since their last game. Right. So exactly. I mean, let's not jump the gun too quickly. But let's say they come back and they respond with a five-win season. I mean, that's that's got to be a problem on Mark D'Antonio's hands, and I right. I, I think that's got to force his hand to either a make changes or b for the athletic department to you know kind of force his hand a little bit right exactly and the the thing with always with with mark d'antonio has been he has he comes from the saban tree of recruit for your needs and that's why saban and urban meyer have always been good they get the five-star guys on top of (laughs) you get the five-star guys on top of um you know on top of what you need but they go out and they go hey we need we need linemen this year, not a quarterback. Yeah, the, the big-name quarterback, I mean, that's great. And Messiah DeWeaver, he probably is that big-name quarterback. That's like the first one Michigan State's recruited that everybody's been really super hyped about. And he, he might have a shot next year with that. It's going to be between him, Lewerke, and Terry next year. And we, we'll see how that one pans out. I could, see one of the, I could see them moving Terry to some sort of receiver position, in a sense. But what he recruits... D'Antoni recruits for his needs, and if the quarterback play, how it is designed here at Michigan State is always, it relies on the quarterback. I, I and, think, and I think he, he's going to have to recruit linemen first, 
before he even thinks about recruiting quarterbacks. Everybody, all the fans want the five stars. They want the guys who are super skilled, super talented, who are going to be here for two years because they just want the championships. But if you're going to build a program, you have to do it like D'Antonio is. You're going to get the down years. Yeah, it shouldn't happen. You don't want it to happen. But you're going to get the down years, and he's going to he's going to he's recruiting the offensive linemen, the defensive linemen, the tight ends. The tight ends always been a strong point here at Michigan State. So when you look at it, he's going to have to keep pushing for his needs but also incurring some of that nfl talent that they're obviously going to get i i think he needs to especially um incur on the defense i mean i want to get back to the 2013 no fly zone i i want that kind of caliber right, that, defense that, that's again that's the kind of dude, that's the defense that's fun to watch yeah this i haven't seen good defense since yeah since 13 e- even in 2015 the the defense, oh, the defense wasn't anything not, no nothing special, special no. and I mean, it you was saw just it. solid enough to win games. You saw it there. I mean, Alabama exposed the secondary. Yes, it wasn't anything. And so, so did Penn State. I, I don't know what took teams so long to figure it out with Michigan State in terms of. I mean, throwing uh, the dang ball on them. Notre Dame almost came back all the way and beat this team throwing the ball deep, and it Penn State did it all game. And I, I don't know how Penn Michigan State didn't in, do it. I don't know how, like BYU. Like I mean, Michigan State still lost all these games. Granted. But, like, that could have been a lot worse had they decided to throw deep. <laughs> uh, yeah, Penn State flat-out embarrassed Michigan State on the secondary. On the play action, there was nothing you could do. In fact, they probably could have just yelled, Hey, we're, we're going to throw the ball deep. Try and catch up with us. <laughs> and there was still nothing no, they would have been able to do. Exactly. And, um, yeah, that, that, that stuff hopefully will get addressed. I mean, Mark D'Antonio said everybody was getting a tape. So when you look, when you go forward, Michigan State, as I keep saying, they're going to be better. They're going to do better. Um, you, you, you think we always prognosticate that things are going to be more optimistic. I mean, that's how it's always been. This isn't the NFL where the same owner, same team or anything. This is going to be a new turnover for Michigan State and a coach that knows how to turn things around. So when we come back uh, – Casey, what, what do you want to discuss when we come back? We've hit pretty much our high points for the day. Well, uh, mean, we're going to talk a little bit basketball. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that sport around here because it's just been in the dumps just as much. So they could be 4-4 four and four at the end of this. Um, we'll talk about that when we get back. Welcome back, everybody, to a Tuesday edition of the State News Sports Podcast. Casey Harrison here taking you along on the afternoon. And, Stephen, MSU played three basketball games over Thanksgiving break. I had to watch all of those games. And uh, Yeah, you did. That's your job. Yes. Um, so I'll catch you up to speed you real quick. not going quest. to do it? No, I was going to do I, it. I, fig- I Lay off. I hope so. Hey, I'm trying to do a show here. Yeah, yeah okay. So uh, I'll catch you up to speed real quick. MSU finished third in the battle for Atlantis, uh, winning against St. John's in Game 1, and then getting blown out by Baylor in Game 2, number 20 Baylor. And then they came away with a close one against Wichita State to clinch third place. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Baylor because, they got exposed. you know, going into that game, I was, I was feeling a little bit exposed, confident son. for the Spartans. Got exposed. Um, I thought they were going to be able to go in, take care of business. They're Exposure. finally playing a top 25 team that isn't Exposure. in the top 10, you know, like Arizona or Kentucky. And mm-hmm. I thought they were going to go in. I thought it was going to be a competitive game. And it was for all of a half. Uh, yes. uh, did they lead at halftime? Yeah, they were and leading they, at halftime. I mean, uh, and then they, they self-destructed. Two points while... Uh, didn't Baylor start off with a 
12 and 2 run. Yeah, they uh, exposed. Just they kidding, absolutely self destructed in the second half of that I, Baylor game. It, it's a. It, there was no presence in the post. I mean, you let Motley go for 26 points, and he was just firing at will. I mean, he, he was doing it from all sorts, I mean, all around the court. I mean, really, he was firing it around. He made a couple threes, and you couldn't stop him once he got in the paint. Mm-hmm. And I, I, Tom Izzo said that, you know what, he's, he's taking a little bit of the responsibility on why these guys are tired. And you look at guys, I mean, Cassius Winston just naturally looks tired because he's got the eyes deep in his sockets. I mean, and Kenny Goins, he wasn't even out there sprinting. I, he was out there, he looked like a member of the Walking Dead. And these guys, they're just beat down. They're tired. So I don't know what to expect against Duke. Um, I mean, it could be a blowout. And now that they've had a couple days to, you know, catch their breath, it could be a really competitive game. Um, I'm not going to sit here and sell you false hope, though. Um I, I'm going to stick to my guns, what I said uh, a few shows ago. Hope for the best, but expect the worst. Because, once again, you're playing the number six team in the country. And they I'm, started off yeah. the year at number one. Um, I'm extremely jealous of you being able to cover that game from uh, Cameron Indoor Stadium. Yes. Uh, it's going to um, be one of the I'm, best basketball um, venues, or college basketball venues, probably basketball venues in general. Of uh, Just a place to watch basketball and you're going to watch probably one of the best teams in the country i mean as soon as they get fully healthy duke's probably going to be end up one or two. Oh yeah and um and uh I'm, I'm looking right now at the box scores or i'm sorry at the team stats miles bridges i mean he's been our best player by far or msu's best player i'm sorry oh uh he's he's been averaging 17.4 a game and that leads both duke and michigan state but the, the the big problem here is you've basically got three Miles Bridges on that team. You, right. You've got <laughs> Luke Kennard averaging seventeen point one. You got Grayson Allen with sixteen point one, and then Frank Jackson with sixteen a game. I mean, those are three very good scorers that you're going to have to keep your tabs on. And once Michigan State gets tired, that uh, you saw it against Baylor. I mean, and even against Wichita State. Wichita State, Michigan State was up by eighteen at one point, and. Wichita State came all the way back to only win by five, and they only won by five because of last-minute free-throw shooting. Right. And that's, that's going to be the key. I mean, as long as the Michigan State defense, as long as Nick Ward stays out of foul trouble, as long as Josh Langford stays out of foul trouble, because you saw in Wichita State, he fouled out in that game in probably a senseless foul number five where mm-hmm. the guy was going out of bounds anyway. There was no need to, like, push him out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think a lot of the a lot of these losses you could look. Everybody had high expectations for Michigan State. If they had come out of this first seven games like five and two or seven and zero, oh, that would have been something beyond I think a lot of people's expectations. I'm not even calling this a disappointment though, because right. I mean, what a, do you really expect out of a class that's mostly freshmen? I mean, a lot of it's just a by yeah, exactly, a, a, a byproduct of youth a, and not being able to break down freshmen and upperclassmen that really didn't play all that yeah, much. Not being able to break down games. I mean, you're missing you can't probably practice. biggest leader um in terms of playing minutes aside from Tum Tum and Schilling. Right. And other than that, I mean, really, Kenny Goins didn't play. He didn't play at all last year, didn't he? Because he was redshirted. No, he did. And, yeah, uh, Kenny Goins yeah, played yeah, last yeah, year. that's right. Um, but other than that, I mean, Matt McQuaid gave you a handful of minutes a game, and he he's on and off. If he can hit his three, uh, 
he's going to be really good. The and thing with Michigan State is they don't have a like a pure shooter when they did in Brent Forbes. Yeah, I, and that was supposed to. That's kind of what they're McQuaid's trying to get game. McQuaid out of. And he's just not there yet. Yeah, if I, he gets there at all. I mean, he's only a sophomore though. Right. I mean, he's he's still got plenty of time to develop. Right, exactly. Um, he has it in him. We've seen him all shoot. I, I mean, you've seen him. He he's hit three consecutive three-point field goals i mean he's great from downtown and if he gets an open shot he's gonna make it probably seven times out of ten exactly um the big thing is just you gotta keep your legs fresh on the defense and you Mm -hmm. can't slow down because once you start to slow down teams are gonna exploit that and you've you've seen where that goes it can get ugly real quickly and I, Stephen, is there anything else you want to add? No, I mean you, you've been on top of it much more than I have. I've uh, you, you were able to watch a lot of those games over break. Um, you know, I was out busy doing things. So, um, you know, I, I think Michigan State basketball will be fine once it hits Big Ten play, or once once it gets through this Duke game. It has such an oh, easy. Oh, that's slate what I've been saying. That once they should end up like by the break. I, I think that what they got how many games by before January, like five or six. They should end up ten and four. Oh yeah. And that'll be a good thing because they're finally going to get a chance to, you know, catch up on just being a person, being a student. Being a student, being able to break down tape, getting into an actual regular routine. And getting to actually practice. I mean, you only get X amount of practice days when you're flying from New York to the Bahamas to Arizona. I'm I'm sorry, Hawaii. Those are experiences that will sit with a lot of them. I mean, now you know how to handle a tired, fatigued team. And it's such a it's a shock to your system as a freshman. Oh, yeah. It's like it's it's like jumping in a pool of just ice cold water. Right. Exactly. And so, I mean, you adapt, you get used to it. And once these guys, you know, Miles Bridges, is he going to be one and done? I think it depends how he plays the rest of the year. And so we'll we'll see it. And uh, Casey, final thoughts in today's show. Really, I mean, everything's been I, I wouldn't call – don't panic just yet with MSU basketball. Right. Um, stay the course. Don't fly off the deep end because come Big Ten season and watch this. Come Saturday when they play Oral Roberts, they're going – they're going to be putting the, the yellow hammer down. I mean, they're just going to be smacking everybody left and right because if you look at the rest of their non-conference schedule, it's a bunch of nobodies. Right. Exactly. So that'll do it for – Another our 25th edition of the State New Sports Podcast. Thanks for being along with us, Casey. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, thank you for I'd like listening to thank for everybody deep. for sticking with us for 25 straight episodes for 12 weeks now. Uh, you've been staying the course. And you can hear more from us. Uh, we've got some stuff, and there'll be some shakeups at the break in terms of jobs and positioning, and we'll get into that next show. So we'll see everybody on Thursday. Be safe.